I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Thursday, June 1st, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Chase Thomas Podcast Network, Sports Renaissance Band. That's me. Cover everything every sport each and every day here on this very feed on today's show we got the athletics Yovan Bua old friend of the program to talk all things Lakers Austin Reeves Rui Hachimura LeBron the retirement stuff what his future in LA looks like uh winning Gabriel covering him and why he was interesting uh D'Angelo Russell's future with uh, the Lakers and where that might go is Kyrie still an option this summer for Los Angeles uh, then we get into uh, the Nuggets um, how they swept the Lakers what they look like against the Heat why we both agree they should win in five uh, with that series starting tonight against the Miami Heat uh, I'm talking about just uh, the coverage of the Nuggets versus the Lakers and that sort of thing we also talk about Monty Williams taking uh, a bunch of money to be the new head coach of the Detroit Pistons um, all that and more some celebrity stuff too maybe a little Denzel uh, talk here on the program it's a fun fun episode uh, I think you guys are gonna like it so all that's next with the athletics Yovan Bua also Folks, if you are a first-time listener, and uh, first off, thank you, but uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. This is an everyday show, new content each and every day uh, all over uh, the sports landscape, so make sure you're subscribed and locked in on your preferred podcast player if you like what you hear today. Also, uh, if you're already a subscriber and first off thank you but if you have not already make sure you uh hit that pause button right now and take five seconds it just takes five seconds to leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts or spotify or however you are listening to this very show you can also watch this show on our youtube channel youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe right around the thousand mark there so uh, as we continue building that out shorts full episodes clips all that good stuff if you'd rather watch the show we have you covered there, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. As always, if you have any email questions or any NBA questions for me, you can tweet at me at podchasethomas uh, on Twitter, or you can email this very show at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. All right, that's all I've got here to kick things off. Uh, it's time for NBA and Lakers with Yovan Bua. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ, all the way over there in Los Angeles, California. A Chase Thomas podcast. OG Yovan Bua himself. Yovan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. What's the story behind the smiley face basketball uh, behind you right now? Uh, honestly, I, I just like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's this brand, uh, Chinatown Market, and uh, they're, they're like a streetwear brand. And uh, when I saw they had a smiley face basketball, it comes in different colors. Uh, th- this was the one that appealed to me. And uh, yeah, it's... 
it's obviously doing something right because that that's pro- I've probably been asked that a few times now of like what you know why do you have that and <laughs> I just just puts a smile on my face. I, I love basketball and uh, I think it encapsulates that. What's the most exciting part about the Lakers season being over for you? So you get to do X that you don't get to do during the NBA Lakers season. Uh, sleep. Mm. Uh, that is that is the thing. <laughs> uh, sleep and, and less travel. Mm. Um, so just overall health, mental health, physical health, uh, that, that has increased in the past week or so. Um, but I, I miss it already. You know, I, mm. I miss the, the grind and, and the travel and the games. But uh, from a health perspective, it is definitely better uh, for, for my livelihood. How many hours are you getting right now? Uh, it de- depends on the day I- I'm, I'm mm. shooting for a seven to eight. That, okay. That's like, you know, I've had a couple, a couple days I've, I've slept a good 10, 11, 12, like, you know, just been like, I'm putting my, my new thing is I put my phone on airplane mode. Mm. Uh, so I just, cause there's so many times I'll get like a call that wakes me up or like a bunch of texts. I, I have a bunch of Twitter notifications for certain accounts and, uh, that stuff just will, inevitably wake me up so Mm. my new thing is just airplane mode don't bother me uh i have no real responsibilities until free agency draft time so the next few weeks it's just going to be about you know continuing to write a few times a week and then getting as much sleep as i can and then appearing on the jason most podcast when you can of course of course uh there you go what uh what was different about the the beat this year what did you learn about yourself what did you learn on the beat what did you get better at what uh what changed for you this year yeah well uh this was my first year covering the lakers by myself uh the Mm. two previous years i had a partner bill orham uh who's now a columnist at the oregonian up in portland uh so i had obviously done it with with covering the clippers uh for a couple years by myself but lakers is just a different beast and um so i think this year i really grew as a reporter uh i I grew uh you know wrote several features uh you know several columns that i was proud of um so really just continuing to grow i I think in all facets of um you know my my writing and reporting also uh season two of stargazing went well and, and got a lot of good got some good guests got a lot of good feedback on that um the Vic episode was great. Thank you. I, I and that that was the one that I was really excited for. She mm-hmm. was one of the the initial guests I had in mind when I when I started the project, and mm-hmm. uh, to get her in season two and to you know end it that way was yeah. uh, a, a nice capper. Um, been doing more TV uh, recently. Did the Bill Simmons podcast, so like it's just been you know the, the opportunities have been coming uh, you know more and more, and it's just been nice to see the the hard work and and growth kind of pan off so for me i'm I'm never satisfied i i, I can you know i sound like a player with the, with the cliches but uh i i want to like i'm, I'm it, you know in, in the film room rereading my stuff listening to podcasts watching my tape uh, on tv and and trying to get better so uh yeah it's it's been it's been fun and uh you know i think this season like I think one thing it's kind of weird as a beat writer, like you don't, or, you know, you shouldn't, you're not supposed to root for the team you cover. You're supposed to be objective. Obviously you're focusing more on the team and and those storylines and and the players and whatnot. But, uh, this was also probably the first time I, this was my first conference finals run for a team that I've covered. Mm. Uh, I I hopped on the Suns in, in 2021 and obviously they went to the finals, but, um, it is like interesting to kind of see, like just the what comes with a deeper playoff run and um, how that's probably better for business, so to speak. And um, so it's one of those things where like I wasn't rooting for the Lakers, but the Lakers doing well was probably better for me professionally. So um, overall, it was it was a great season. The first half did not expect any of what happened in the second half to to happen, but uh, after the trade deadline, you know, the run they went on, it, it was a it was a special you know, special season and, um, you know, one that uh, I will likely remember for a while. I like it. Um, speaking of remembering, uh, different things about this Lakers season, who, who stood out to you that, uh, you really enjoyed talking with and covering this year that you really enjoyed the back and forth, um, with one particular Laker, who was it this year? Uh, 
I, I would say uh, I highlight a couple guys. Uh, mm. I would say Austin Reeves, mm. um, and and just you know his growth and, and ascension uh, in, in year two. I, I think he was the third best player on a team that made the Western Conference Finals, and and going from in less than two years, he went from being an undrafted player to being a starter. And uh, again, I think in really it's it's you know not debatable like the the third best guy on that team so um he's someone that you know he's always been great with the media but you know just seeing uh the the attention on him and and the spotlight grow and and him staying true to to who he is and and not really changing i I think has been something uh that that's been nice and um you know he's one of the 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 best dudes that i've interacted with and then uh wenyan gabriel uh wenyan gabriel is, is someone that um you know, it, it kind of started as a fashion thing where, uh, you know, commenting on his outfits and talking about his clothes and different things. But um, Wenyan became a, a go-to guy for me in the locker room in terms of just, uh, you know, after a game, maybe asking him a question or just running strategy or something by him and, and him helping me understand different things. So um, I would say Austin and Wenyan were probably my two favorite guys to interact with this year. Did you spend uh, any amount of time with Rob Plinka this year? Did you get a lot of yeah. one-on-one time? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob and I have a good relationship. Um, you know, he, he obviously only you know, speaks to the media a few times a year. But, yeah, um, yeah we, we you know, he, he's so busy that it, it's hard to, um, you know, he, he's a hard guy to track down. But, you know, mm-hmm. definitely, um, I don't know, half, half dozen or so times, you know, before games, we, we were able to catch up for, you know 10 15 minutes well speaking of the the lakers here and we'll we'll talk some nba finals too here yovan but i want to first ask you when like immediately after uh lakers are eliminated it comes out that lebron might be uh thinking about retirement right and as someone who broke his foot last year and reading the stuff on his foot i was like i i don't know how lebron played uh on what i've read about what he was going through with his foot and we'll see whether he has surgery on it and what that timeline looks like but it's not fun recovering. I don't care what kind of uh, chiro- cryogenic chamber LeBron is going in. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard. And there's a mental aspect to trusting it again. He's older, and uh, we'll see what he looks like. But I, I could not believe that that was something that he was he was playing through and playing really well. Um, you saw what just a, a a bad high ankle sprain or ankle injury can do to a star like Tatum, where you just you it, you only can do so much um to power through it and i think lebron deserves a lot of credit for that but when you saw that right after what was your immediate thought on lebron and retirement and for you based on uh following this team and uh getting more and more familiar with lebron and uh, his camp and just the lakers as a whole did you see that as a realistic possibility or do you always know that lebron would take some time and then he'd be back uh, no, I mean it definitely caught me off guard. Um, mm. I, I know it it caught pretty much everyone in, in that room off off guard, and just talking to, to people with and around the team, it you know no one was expecting that comment from him or or had heard any murmurs of him uh, you know potentially retiring or thinking about it. Um, you know that was something that was definitely kept internal. Mm. Uh, I think there's several ways to look at it. Like one. Um, you know, it's it's the heat of the moment. It's it's the you know competition. Uh, he's coming off of a forty point near triple double. They just got swept, and you know to to your point, like he has been dealing with this foot injury for months. Came back earlier than expected, and it was w- with the hopes of winning a championship, and they mm-hmm. fell short. So I think for him, year twenty. Uh, age 38 like he, he's got a lot to think about of just he's done everything you can do on a basketball court he's broken you know after passing kareem he's, he's basically broken every major record um you know is, is in the top 10 in points rebounds and assists uh is in the, the playoff leader in in several categories including minutes and points like you know aside from adding championships to his ledger there really isn't much more for lebron to accomplish uh, from an accolade and achievement standpoint uh, on a basketball court. So, you know, the one thing that had kind of been there, uh, of course, was uh, potentially playing with or at least on the same floor as, as his son, Bronny. But mm. that was even something he, he had kind of softened over the last few months where initially it was, I want to play with Bronny. 
Then it became, uh, I want to share the floor with him. Uh, and then in the second round of the playoffs, he was asked uh, after Bronny committed to USC and it became, well, you know, that's my dream to play with him, but I don't know if that's his dream. And as his father, I have to respect his dreams and, and just, you know, support him and, and do whatever I can uh, as his dad. So uh, LeBron is kind of even softened that a bit. And, and you know, I, I think that might not be necessarily the, the factor that it was before, but um, I think, so I, I think there's kind of the exhaustion and just the, the mental, like, do you want to, you know, get foot surgery and go through the rehab and, you know, have to ramp up for training camp and, and just go through that process again. Um, that, that there's also like, how many times have we seen a major performance from LeBron in an elimination game to save his team season? And he gave them basically all he, he could, you know, he played for uh, all but four or five seconds uh, d- depending on what box score you look at, uh, again, 40 point near triple double and it still wasn't good enough. And mm. I think on some level there has to be a bit of a humbling of just his basketball mortality and, and just him, you know, whether, whether it's because of him or, you know, the Lakers supporting cast or just how great Denver was like, you could look at it several ways, but it just, it wasn't good enough at, at the mm. end of the day to, to even win a game in the series, let alone win the series. So I think, he's wrestling with his mortality and and just the foot and, and do I want to come back? Do I want to deal with all this? I think there's also a part of it. That's a leverage play of, of just, you know, he, he's been vocal about, uh, adding Kyrie Irving and, uh, you know, in front and behind the scenes, uh, you know, talked about it ahead of the trade deadline of, you know, he'd, he'd love to acquire Kyrie. So, uh, I, I think there could be some posturing there of, of just trying to put pressure on the Lakers to, add a Kyrie Irving, add a Trey Young, add a Fred Van Vliet, uh, and kind of finally address that point guard spot that has been so difficult for them to uh, solidify. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell, of, of, you know, of course, didn't have the best postseason performance, to, to say the least. Uh, really struggled in that Denver series, but really struggled before then. He was very up and down in the first couple rounds. Had some big performances, but also had some duds. So I think there, there's a lot of kind of ways to look at it, but... Um, from what I've been told with, with people again around and, and with the team, everyone expects LeBron to be back. The Lakers are, are proceeding as if he's going to be back and I'd peg it at, you know, around a 10% chance. He's not a Laker. Uh, Do you think he's ready season. for game one though? That That's a little trickier because yeah. it's going to depend on, you know, th- like he's going to get an MRI in his foot. Um, not sure if that's happened yet or not, but you know, w- once that gets settled, He'll have to decide when does he want to have foot surgery. If he is going to have it, what's what's the timetable? Um, you know, we, we've seen famously. I, th- I think the most famous example was Shaq back in the day w- with the Lakers. Um, you know, I got injured on on company time, so I'm going to get I'm going to rehab on company time and and got surgery early. I think early in training camp and, and ended up missing a, a couple months. Uh, I think in the 2000. 2003 season so like Mm. you know i don't think lebron goes that route necessarily but i don't know if he's in a rush to get surgery and you know could that be something that potentially lingers into training camp preseason etc like we'll we'll see so that's not as clear of of just when exactly he'll be back but um from from everything i'm hearing uh you know the lakers are are expecting him to be back next season what about deangelo russell what what percentage do you put at him coming back is it uh, just like if they can get Kyrie or is it like no matter what, we are going to find a way to maneuver around D'Angelo Russell uh, being the, the lead guard here? I'd probably put it like 65% that he's back. Hmm. Um, so, you know, more more than than half. I, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, I, I do think for the Lakers, if there is a way to sign and trade him and, and get something back, uh, again, a, a Kyrie, uh, a Trey Young, a Fred Van Vliet, I, I think all those are... Uh, Pipe dreams, maybe Fred Van Vliet's the, the most realistic. Uh, but if they can swing one of those three guys or, or someone of that caliber, I think they do it in a heartbeat and mm. they you know they, they move on. But there just really isn't a market for D'Angelo Russell right now. I think if you look at you know his recent history in the playoffs, uh, again the up and down nature of uh, of his performance in, in 2023, but but also even his Minnesota stuff, and and then. Um, I think his reputation has kind of taken a hit uh, since Brooklyn, you know, particularly you know in LA and in Minnesota. 
and he's just no longer viewed as the number, you know, former number two pick, former all star. Like I, mm. I think it's it's viewed as like he's probably a a below average starting point guard, and and you know probably more in that like twenty to thirty range if if you're ranking guys, and um, so like I just don't think there, there's much of a market for him. If you look at the teams that have cap space, it's all young teams that have young backcourts that that are developing or have high draft picks in this upcoming draft that you know could be taking a guard there uh so i just don't really see a clear suitor for him in free agency uh so on one hand that that helps the lakers in terms of leverage with him where i think his contract is going to be less than he thinks it, it is going to be or, or should be uh, i think i could see something more in like the 18 to 20 million range annually uh whereas he was looking for something more 25 30 million uh you know that that had been previously reported about his time in minnesota but also i'd kind of heard murmurs when he was acquired by the lakers of the trade deadline that those are kind of the, the numbers he was looking at but I, I just don't see how he has the leverage to to ask for that mm. uh, i don't see how he has the leverage for the lakers to uh accept that demand and um so i, I think for the lakers it, it's exploring sign-in trades what can we get back for him you know if we attach potentially a first round pick or or young asset and then if there's nothing really out there, which is what I suspect they will find, aside from maybe Van Vliet, uh, then you know, I think it's most likely just keeping D'Lo, but at a, at a more reasonable cost, because with the new CBA, every dollar is going to matter. Yeah, it's interesting to see like basketball Twitter, everyone talking about the new CBA and like this. A lot of capologists now have popped up and yeah, but I'm not going to lie. I see this and now if I ever want to like really come across as um, a, a just a, an NBA nowhere, it's I need to just be like, look, with the new CBA coming into the fold, every dollar count. Like, <laughs> look, you can just tell you. Yeah, you, you can just dismiss anything. And, yes. And be like, it's use just, the new CBA. You don't get it. It's the new CBA. It, it is though yeah. like, you know, I, I think it, it is going to be interesting to see how this changes team building because yeah. the penalties are so strict for teams above the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like there, there's kind of the sweet spot, not to nerd out too much, but like with the projected luxury tax of 162, if you're kind of in that first tier of, of 162 to 169, you're just going to get kind of the, the typical luxury tax penalties. But if mm-hmm. you get between 169 and 179, that's the first apron. Then all of a sudden you start to get all these penalties. Then if you go over the 179, or I guess it's 179.5, the second apron, all of a sudden it's like can't take back more money in trades, can't sign mm. guys in the buyout market, can't trade picks seven years out. Like it's some crazy stuff that actually like really matters. Where if you're looking at how you build a team, like is signing that guy, you know, if you're the Warriors, is signing the the Dante DiVincenzo worth not being able to get a buyout guy or not being able mm-hmm. to get more money back in it. Like probably not. So you're going to start to see, I, I think that the middle class of the NBA is really going to get squeezed here. And it's really going to become a bunch of top heavy rosters where like two to four guys are, are paid 15 plus million. And then the rest of the guys are, are battling for scraps of like vet minimum up to like five, 7 million. So I think for the probably Lakers, like more movement too. On that more movement for sure but like for the lakers that i think that matters where it's like if, if you have lebron and 80 they're making a combined 87 million next year mm. you're trying to keep austin reeves you're trying to keep Rui hachimura all of a sudden like just with those four guys you're probably at um let's just say 115 you're like now you add in d'angelo russell wants to be getting paid 20 plus million and, and that's without you know you gotta fill out a roster and you're gonna you have shredder back yeah so like it's just it adds up quickly, and yeah. again the penalties, you know, like there's gonna be, there's just gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna look at it like the difference between player X at five million, ten million versus a free agent that's a veteran minimum guy isn't big enough to warrant all these penalties that come with this. So like, yeah. you're just gonna see a lot of guys get screwed. Where and I'm sure it'll end up kind of, you know, there's always kind of a, a, a unintended consequence where I could also just see like it might end up being, you know, we, we've seen sometimes with, with the way that the, the new CBA is, or, you know, recently the new CBA has gone where guys will leave bigger markets maybe for more money in a smaller market. And like markets maybe aren't as important as they used to be. I could see the opposite kind of becoming true now where it's like, well, if I'm going to get paid the vet minimum, why would I not want to be in a better city? Like, you know, mm. now it doesn't really matter. Like, why would I want to be in city X or Y when I could be in city A or B? So I think you could also see 
markets and, and just like lifestyle kind of come back into the fold where if the money's even, I think those types of things start to matter more than uh, the, I think the way the, the CBA was previously set up. Great news for Oklahoma City. And that yeah. nightlife scene, like that's well, just, and they got that's a bunch of dudes on. that like they can't keep all those guys. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I like it. Uh, NBA Finals, Yovan. What is where? Where are you leaning right now after watching the Nuggets dismantle uh, the Los Angeles Lakers in four games? Do you think it's Nuggets in four again? Do you think it's Nuggets in five, or are you more? Like Nuggets take it takes a while to seven, or do you think the Heat can actually? Because I don't see Heat in like four or five. Like I don't think that's a possibility. I think if it's a short series, it's the Nuggets, and if it's a long series, then maybe you can talk yourself into it. But also, there have been exactly zero teams that have won the NBA Finals as an eight seed. And if there's one thing the NBA is really good at, it's pounding home the point that if you are a top two seed, your odds of winning an NBA championship are very very high and i just can't shake it i i have nuggets in five but i'm curious to see where uh where where you're at with this i i have nuggets in five as well okay um so we're on the same page um i i was close between five and six uh mm-hmm. i i do think like spo deserves respect as the best coach in the game like for, for i i think you know, co- coaching's probably overrated, like overall, mm. to, to some extent. But I think Spo has shown how invaluable it can be when you have a truly great coach who can make great adjustments on the fly with both your rotation and from a, a strategy and, and tactical perspective. So, uh, I think this is probably going to be the biggest test that I mean, like it's, it's definitely the biggest test Denver's faced, just in terms of like obviously it's the biggest series, it's the finals and whatnot, but. I think Miami is just the way they've played and, and going through Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, I think you know they're going to be the biggest challenge for Denver. I just think ultimately it comes down to I don't think Miami can can score with them, and we've just seen no one can stop this Denver offense. Mm-hmm. And like they, I mean, they just don't have off nights, and and of course that that could change. And uh, you know maybe game one they're a little rusty because of all the time off, but. This is shaping up to be one of the best offenses of all time. Uh, you know, Jokic is having one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. Uh, Jamal Murray has been awesome and a true uh, number two or, or number one B. And uh, I, I just think, and, and like their supporting cast, like that that was really to me the the difference in uh, the the Lakers series where it was like. Uh, you know, the the Lakers kind of got by with their supporting cast in the Memphis and, and Golden State series of those guys outplaying uh, those teams, you know, respective supporting cast. But Denver, it was Aaron Gordon and, and Bruce Brown and KCP and uh, Jeff Green and like all those guys just making timely shots and, and big plays. And, um, you know, the Lakers trying to pick on them defensively and, and them holding their own. So I, I just don't see the weak spot in, in this Denver group right now, you know, aside from. Uh, knock on wood and injury and you know for for Miami it felt like they were able to win some ugly games in the Boston series and the Milwaukee series and and the New York series I think more and not to take anything away from the heat but but just more so because of the limitations of the other teams of Milwaukee not having Giannis for a couple games and them just their offense devolve I mean every postseason we see it their offense just devolves into a mess in crunch time uh Boston not being able to get out of their own way with turnovers and um they're I mean honestly kind of the same thing where and you got to give Miami credit for for forcing some of those things but we've also seen those teams struggle with those you know fa- uh, facets of the game against other opponents so it's not strictly because of just Miami and then New York also you know Thibodeau teams always kind of struggle offensively in the playoffs so like I think you know, for, for as much of an adjustment as it might be for Denver facing a Miami group that has a similar level of cohesion and, and shooting and ball movement offensively, I think it's going to be an adjustment for Miami facing a team that can score and plays the way that Denver plays offensively because they've faced a lot more ISO-heavy you know, teams that just aren't as good with, with the ball and in transition and whatnot. So I, I think... I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm kind of in between Denver and, and five or six. I, I think Miami is good enough to, to junk it up and, and find a way to, to steal a game or two. But um, I think my, my official pick is, is Denver at five. Uh, 
On the Athletic NBA show today, I was listening to uh, David Aldridge, uh, Marcus, and Nikias talk about uh, the series and something that I thought was super interesting um, because obviously Miami does that. They were throwing the zone a lot at Boston, right? And Jalen Brown was uh, really into uh, dribbling the ball everywhere but uh, where it needed to go. Um, the man is just... I, I, I would love a 30 for 30 or some sort of... Jared Weiss needs to do the deep dive in how Jalen Brown became such a bad dribbler when he's so good at so many other things like i don't it, it's just such a weird thing to watch that man dribble and to just want to close your eyes because you're like this is not gonna end well um all that being said what nikaias and them were talking about was uh just like the the nuggets are just such a bad matchup for that zone stuff that they're gonna do it's like you just the way to beat the zone uh efficiently is like the big in the middle who's just an elite passer who can just swing the ball around the perimeter and find the open guys like they have the shooters, they have the big in the middle, you can't play it. So, like, that's not going to work. And then you're seeing that, like, Kevin Love or Cody Zeller might be uh, heavily involved here. And I'm like, that's probably not great um, for this series. So, I just, I don't see, like, it's just so boring, right? And this was something that, it's, it's a, I think, a compliment to Denver is that, like, they are boringly great. And there were some folks who the last couple weeks had gotten annoyed with the coverage of the Nuggets, like, obviously the camera panning to LeBron after the Nuggets sweep the Lakers that got a lot of play of like, why are we immediately following around what LeBron and everybody else is doing? It's like, I think two things can be true. I think the Lakers can, and especially this Lakers run as a seven seed. And like, obviously right after LeBron (laughs) contemplating retirement and just the way the Lakers lost. And it's the Lakers. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong for, by saying the Lakers are more interesting of a franchise and a team right now. Because I think a lot of people left them for dead. Um, you and I on this podcast last December were like, uh, I mean, before the trade deadline, before they made a bunch of uh, important moves that got them there. But, like, it took an Austin Reeves resurgence. It took, like, that was strange that Austin Reeves like you said became the third best player that's really interesting it's really interesting that Dennis Schroeder had to play in game four and start and was such an important defender for Los Angeles Rui Hachimura is doing ISO uh post-ups with uh important important uh possessions late in the fourth and I think game three or game four and you're like you know this is really weird this is not where i thought this season was going to go in los angeles and like is that it did the lakers just miss their moment um their last opportunity to have like a healthy lebron or uh, he wasn't even healthy a healthy anthony davis and lebron for a full playoff run was was that where they're maxed out like there were all kinds of different storylines that made the lakers situation interesting and the nuggets are just competently good where you're like well they did what they were supposed to do and i think that's a compliment so i think there is a way to frame it where it doesn't come off as like, we don't want to cover you because uh, you're in this small market or you're this, that, and the other. It's just that like Jokic has been the best player in basketball again. He's been unbelievable again. Jamal Murray is doing what he did in the bubble again. And they just have the best starting five across the board. Like that's just not even debatable. Like they've been all year long, this super consistent, cohesive monster that's remained healthy and answered every challenge so yeah it's these are all positives but i think it's hard to come up with new ways to talk about the nuggets right now because you and i are just talking about like they should win in five and that should just be it like they should win pretty easily and they're the champs they just kind of created a great perfect team and they have the arguably the best player in basketball and one of the best playoff guards i mean we've seen the last decade in the nba and jamal murray when he gets going so I think those are all positives and you get a healthy Michael Porter Jr., which they really needed um, this year to finally have a healthy Michael Porter Jr. for this run. Aaron Gordon to throw on opposing uh, uh, best wings. And then also a dude who's done it before, a guy you know, KCP, who has just been invaluable to them. And then Bruce Brown, uh, when they need somebody to get on the floor and talk to the opposing bench and opposing coaches <laughs> that you got your guy. Like, I it, does that all make sense? Is that fair? Because I just feel like Twitter has this disconnect, NBA Twitter especially, with how they're covered. Because I just, I think there's a way to do it without being disrespectful and also uh, adding some nuance to both sides here. Yeah, and and I, I would even, you know, add, add to it. And I know there's just a subsect of the audience that doesn't love it, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's also kind of as simple as they're the Lakers and mm-hmm. they have LeBron James. And, you know, you have 
Um, no offense to the Celtics, but I would say the glamour franchise of the last three decades, uh, which just, you know, even let's go back four decades with Magic and, and Kareem and Kobe and Shaq uh, and now LeBron. It's like they've had the biggest stars um, like your, you know, whatever your top 10 players of all time list is like there's a high likelihood that five of them at least were, were Lakers at some point. So mm. I think just the Lakers and like, it's good for the, like, you know, it's just objectively good for the league when the Lakers are good because of the attention and the eyeballs and uh, just as many people love them as, as hate them. And um, you know, it, it kind of just draws that, that in. So uh, I also think if people are like just judging it off of TV and, and what's being discussed, like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of natural that it's going to be the biggest stars and the biggest teams, and that's kind of how a lot of TV coverage works because they're trying to get as many eyeballs as possible. So um, I think if you listen to some of the smarter podcasts and, and read some of the smarter national writers or, or, you know, around the league, uh, they are covering the Nuggets and they are praising the Nuggets, and like that's where you're going to get that more balanced and, and nuanced coverage. But if you're just looking at you know, some of these debate shows or, or, you know, pre and post game shows of like what is going to attract the casual viewer. Uh, it, it's going to be names like the Lakers and LeBron. And, and it's just like, I don't think LeBron, you know, LeBron is arguably the, the most famous North American athlete. Uh, you know, it has been for a good 15 years. Uh, the Lakers again, uh, you know, I just kind of mentioned the, the glamor NBA franchise of the last 30, 40 years. So it's like, I think if Denver is going to hold my only issue with that was, it was kind of like if Denver is going to hold their coverage, um, you know, like standards to the same as the Lakers, I just like, you're going to lose that fight nine out of 10 times because they're, they're the Lakers and they have LeBron and there's mm -hmm. just no one as captivating or, or interesting on the nuggets as LeBron. And it's no shit. Like I'm half Serbian. I love Jokic. He's, he's my guy. I voted for him for MVP, but um, it's just, you know, he, he, isn't as captivating from like a personality and just historical perspective yet. Now, I think if he wins a title uh, and they're in the same position next year, we'll probably be talking about it differently of, of what does this mean for Jokic's legacy? And, and uh, you know, can he be, you know, another title? Is he a top 10, 20 player? Is he a top 15? Like that's when those things start to kind of matter. But with LeBron, it's kind of always, it's always a legacy play of, of, you know, you kind of saw it on a daily basis of LeBron's legacy being rewritten after every playoff game. And that's just, kind of how the news cycle and, and sports take society is. So my only issue was like, if, if, I don't know if Denver was playing a different opponent and, and they weren't getting the same level of coverage, I would understand more, more of their qualms, but like the Lakers and LeBron are just such, you know, driving forces for, for news and eyeballs and attention that like, I just think trying to compare themselves to that is always going to be a losing battle in my opinion. Yeah. And look, I think it's going to be interesting because it's like, I feel I would be pretty floored if the, the Nuggets didn't win the title and then you're okay. That's one title, two MVPs for Jokic. And for me, I wonder, do the Nuggets go the Bucks route where it looks like that one year blip where they kind of lucked out and they got their title, but things have obviously fallen apart there. Bud's gone and we'll see how much like Chris Middleton hasn't been able to stay healthy when they needed him. Like, Drew Holiday obviously had an all-star year. He was a great player, but like it looks unlikely that Giannis and is it going to be able to create some sort of long-term multi-title dynasty in Milwaukee that it's just probably not going to go that route um, where he builds the Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki type era um, in Milwaukee. That being said, I think there's the flip side where it's like, okay, if Jokic gets it, do they go that way? Or do they go the other way where it's like, do they have the Spurs thing where it's like, is he now like they have this perfect five Jamal Murray's young, Michael Porter Jr.'s young, um, Aaron Gordon's locked in for the long term. You look at it and you'll have to move like, obviously, Hey, I don't know if you knew this or not, but so the new CBA, you're going to have to squeeze a little bit and you're going to have to be really <laughs> careful. You know, Bambua. Yes. Um, yes. And there's going to be uh, the haves and the have nots here. The middle class is going to get squeezed. You're going to have to be really go. careful with your checkbook. Like are we that, about the stock market here, or are we talking about... Well, I just want to let people know that okay. um, uh, I'm on the up and up when it comes to the new CBA that's coming into the fold here. And I I just... 
I think there's more reason for optimism that the Nuggets can keep some sort of dynasty going uh, over the foreseeable future. I think it's I think it's sturdier than what Milwaukee had, and yeah. I think it'll be interesting to watch because like they kind of just had the perfect year, and I mean health is going to be a big part of this, but they have their core, they're in the right age range, coach is solid. I mean, it, it's hard for me to see this kind of deteriorating the way that it uh, has for some other franchise guys surrounded by a good young core i just i think it all works and all makes sense and you could see it but i'm very excited to see if it's a one-year blip or if it's uh they win two titles in like four years and that's when the nuggets get very interesting and they start uh being looked at and talked about in a different way and and in denver's defense i mean the last time they were truly healthy they made the conference finals yeah they made the conference finals in 2020 and uh, the last couple postseasons did not have Jamal Murray. Last right. year didn't have Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So it's like, you know, we, we can't really – it's hard to take away much from the last couple of seasons with them. Um, but really this is kind of a continuation of, of what they built in 2020. You know, obviously they, they've built it before then, but kind of what they were building toward with that 2020 run to the conference finals. Um, and I think it's, it's been kind of funny to see a lot of the, the bubble stuff – cemented and, and solidified over this postseason mm-hmm. run but i saw it firsthand and, and i was covering the clippers at the time and they had absolutely no answer for the Jokic murray pick and roll and at the time a lot of the discourse was um you know of course this happened against the clippers like these two guys just kind of got hot and they just had an incredible shooting series and and, and then the lakers kind of put the clamps on them a, a, a little bit and, and uh you know beat them in five uh but I think we've seen since then, like Jokic has won two MVPs, finished second this season. Murray obviously got, got injured the following season, but now that he's back is playing at an even higher level. And like those two dudes are just legit. And, mm. uh, you know, maybe the best pick and roll game we've seen in the modern era since Stockton and Malone, uh, mm. you know, maybe, maybe Nash and Amari for a couple of years there, but like Murray and Jokic are right there. And just with, with Jokic, the, the inside out, uh, Murray, his ability to shoot on and off the ball, um, and just it's just high level stuff. And I, I think whatever you try to take away, they're going to find the counter to that, and it's just really incredible. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think like the the one thing is, I think Bruce Brown's probably gone. Uh, he, he's going to get paid this off season, uh, so that, that's probably the one piece they end up losing. But uh, you know, I, I think Denver probably makes itself now more of a destination where. Mm. someone else can step in for the, the uh, non-tax or taxpayer mid-level and, you know, sign with them. So I think that starting group just, you know, when a lineup has that kind of special chemistry and continuity and just has that synergy that Denver has and that group is scary. And, and yeah, I mean, that's why I, I think, you know, we're both picking them in five. I, I just think it's no shade at Miami. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami makes it a six or seven game series. I just think Denver has been that special during this run. I like it. And look, if you're Calvin Booth, uh, the Denver Nuggets GM, I think you go into this offseason looking at the new CBA and looking at what you're, what you're up against cap-wise. You need to look at, hey, we're not going to be able to pay everybody. We're gonna have to, it's going to be a lot more difficult. We get to the 160s, the 170s, the 150s. We're going to have to be careful because I don't know if you knew this or not, Yovan, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm thinking you're making fun of me. All right, no, I'm not that, actually making what... fun of you. I'm I'm saying that like no, you actually know what fair. you're talking about, but it's fair. It's I, I just it's just I, I just look, learned all this stuff. Ca- in it's the a last life two hack. Days. It's a life hack, folks, for any NBA fan that is like out and about with his friends on the weekend. If you want to just like <laughs> really come off as an NBA knower, like that's this is what you want to do. There are some ways. There there's a lot of life hacks here to you can fake your way through a fun NBA conversation at the bar. Uh, do it through these methods now if you want to get in the nitty-gritty you're in trouble yovan can do that larry (laughs) coon can do that i cannot and most likely you cannot because it's just uh just i'm never gonna be a capologist i'm not a money guy just i've tried i read i literally this is the dorkiest thing i've admitted on this podcast yovan i read the whole cbafaq.com like I, I remember, I was like, I'm just gonna. When I was in college, a lot of even fun I haven't times. done that. So that that that's impressive. I, it was hard, and I'm reading through it, and I'm like taking notes, and I'm like, I, I'm Danny Larue can have this. This is not gonna be for me. This is not the life I want. 
this is something that I just, I don't have any context. This is too hard. I didn't major in it. It's just, I don't know. You were a journalism major, right? Are you a math guy? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I haven't taken math since junior year of high school. I Wait, really? You didn't take like math at USC at all? No. Journalism didn't have to. But even like undergrad, did you just AP everything out? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's not bad. What, what, uh, speaking of math, what, what do you think of this new contract for Monty Williams? It's a think, lot. Listen, I'm, I'm not great at math. But that's a lot of money for a coach. <laughs> I think it just shows where the Pistons are as an organization. It's not a reflection of Monty and shout out to him. And it's funny too, because it's almost like, I don't know if like, if you're still keeping with college football all that much, but like Mel Tucker got the Brinks truck backed up for him when he was at Colorado, very brief amount of time. Right. And he was not like he was at Georgia. It was the DC there. And then he moves over to Colorado and was, it seems like he was going to stay there. And then Michigan state, obviously with uh, having to move on from Mark D'Antonio legendary coach for years. And they were like, okay, well we struck out on a lot of people and we kind of need like, if Luke Fickle's not coming and we need, like, we really need to make this thing happen because we're, we're trying to get out of this bad situation. And we have uh, a lot of donors and a lot of expectations that we need to be better. We need to stay face here. We need to get somebody good. Monty Williams is a good basketball coach. Monty Williams, like it's, it goes back to that. I always think about the the Chris Mannix tweet of like, would you rather have Brad Stevens or uh, those? Sorry, like I always think about that when it comes to these kind of conversations. But like, I, I think that it's just different. Like Michigan State didn't have any leverage. They needed somebody, and they needed someone good, a name that they knew could come in and win games. And Mel was good a good hire it just mel was like i have all the leverage in the world um i know this is going to be hard i am walking into a conference with michigan and ohio state and penn state and it's just a different era like it's going to be hard for me to win a lot of football games here how much money are you willing to go and just keep saying no until it's so much where you're suddenly like a top 10 paid uh college football coach and i think monty's looking at the same way where it's like i'm looking at the east right now uh i don't know where Cade's health is at they finished fifth in this lottery um projection here uh am i starting marvin bagley and uh james wiseman at the four or five going into the next year like this seems like a lot of losing and this might be my last shot because like monty this will be job number three right like you don't uh, it's just really hard to get four or five nba head coaching jobs so like if this is going to be it for monty in terms of his last real uh, opportunity. I guess you could always go the Alvin Gentry route where it's like, are we sure the man is not going to pop back up as a head coach somewhere uh, next year? Who knows? But I think it's a good hire for the Pistons because it's also, it doesn't count against the salary cap. And if you think you got the guy like, look, he's competent, he's good and we'll see what happens. But it just, it's a lot of money. And that just, I think shows more of where the Pistons are, where it's like, Monty's like, "Mm, this feels like 25 and 62. Like, I'm going to need you to keep backing this up because I don't see a path to me making the playoffs or having a good, competent basketball team for the next couple of years. So if you fire me in the next two years because this team is not good, um, because the pieces just aren't there, at least I'm going to get paid uh, really well in those uh, couple of years and maybe some buyout money and all that kind of stuff. That was my thought. I wonder if this ends up being a groundbreaking contract in coaching Hmm. uh, because one, you've seen a lot of recent coaching contracts be a a little bit shorter where it's Mm -hmm. like three plus one or or a four year deal. Um, And and that's kind of the standard. Maybe if it's a, a head coach that the organization really loves, they'll give him like a five year deal. But for him to get a, it's not just a six year deal. Uh, according to my colleagues at the Athletic, uh, James Edwards, uh, the the third, and, and Shams Sharania, uh, there's team options for year seven and eight. <laughs> so this is upwards of an eight year deal for about a mm. hundred million dollars. Uh, the the seventy eight point uh, what's seventy eight point five is the largest sum of guaranteed money for a head coach in NBA history, and that's putting him at about. Um, what a little over again this is where my math uh, it's like almost 13 million dollars a year mm. uh so that's wild uh like that that's a lot of money like i think 
coaching salaries aren't public, so we only know what gets reported. And, and there's a lot of times where like a pop or a spo signs an extension, and we don't necessarily know the final figures. But that that puts him, I would guess, at least top five, if not top three, in terms of I would say you know, top three for sure, probably top three. So that's pretty wild. And and I like Monty. I think he's a good coach. I, I, yeah, I've had some recent conversations with people where they've been more down on him because of the way Phoenix has lost you know, in the past couple of postseasons. But I think he's deserving of it. I think he's definitely a top 10 coach. If, if not, you know, bordering on that top five, I'd, I'd probably peg him off the top of my head more like six to eight. But it, it's interesting that like, this is like, this is something I feel like moving forward. If, if I'm a, a top coaching candidate, you know, if I'm Mike Budenholzer mm-hmm. and if, if he gets another opportunity, which I think he will, I'm looking at that like, well, I'm a championship head coach. Uh, like, what you know, I, I've won more than Monty. Like, what? Where's my bag? And and um, so it, you know, to your point, I, I think that I mean, Detroit had to go over the top with with both years and annual salary to secure him and, and to entice him. But it was just interesting to me that uh, like this could be one of those contracts that almost like the. I don't want to compare him to, to Timofey Mozgov, but like kind of like in 2016 <laughs> with Timofey Mozgov, mm. kind of setting the setter market. I wonder if this sets the coaching market for the mm. next several years of like all of a sudden we start to see all these five and six year deals. Because to your point, it's like if he gets fired in two years, he has four more years to get paid. Yeah. Like that that's the nice part of this for him is the security of just he could do whatever and you, you, you have you know guaranteed money. Yeah, it's a no-brainer for Monty Williams. Like you kept, like I just imagine, like can you imagine just being on the private plane and they're like, they're offering what now? No, <laughs> send it back. And they're, he's like, let me see Jaden Ivy shoot again. All right, send it back. <laughs> is that Jalen? Dur- is that uh, Jaden Duran and like, James Wiseman at the four or five uh, last year? All right, send it back. We're gonna need eight years. He's uh, like they, they have the number one pick, right? Nope, number two, number three, nope. uh, number five. Yeah, okay. it's well, that, that's, that's a tough an extra job. Like, you can make the case that's. <laughs> I mean, that's bottom three job right now in the league. You're saying overall or, or overall. what was available? Overall. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, let me look at... I'll pull up the standings just because that'll help like divide it yeah. a little bit. Um, okay, jobs I'd rather have... Or I'd, I'd, I'd want less than Detroit. The Hornets? Uh, I'd rather have Detroit than, than Charlotte. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Charlotte's that. future is pretty bleak. Uh, that might be it in the East. Like, <laughs> honestly, like Indiana, yeah. I, I I love Tyrese Halberton, but like I kind of feel like they're in no man's land where yeah. they're they're going to kind of continue to just be what Indiana has always been, which is like, mm. or for the most part, which is kind of a team just in the middle. Uh, but yeah, in the East, I, I guess definitively, I'd only say Charlotte, and then in the West. I mean San Antonio. You can't say that now. Houston. There's the Harden wrinkle back there. Um, yeah. Honestly, Portland to me is like not really a great job. Uh, That's I think fair. You're kind of like you're just not good enough, and we'll see what they do with the number three pick. But uh, I think the Pelicans' job sucks. Can you imagine, like, yeah. this whole time, you you were the number one seed. People are going to forget, like, I would hang the banner if I'm New Orleans, <laughs> but the Pelicans were the number one seed in the Western Conference at one point this year, like, late in the season. Like, this was a scenario where there are receipts, there are podcasts, there are articles written where it's like, the Pelicans have broken through, they are legit, they are a legitimate title contender, and then Zion is gone again and you look at the games played and you you see the best version of them and you're like oh you can win the title like for me as a coach that would drive me absolutely insane is that i'll pull pull it up so they they were yeah so december 12th was the last date they were the number one seed yeah and then but flash forward january 17th mid-january they're the number three seed yeah there you go yeah and then it's just a steep decline from there <laughs> where two weeks two weeks later they're at number nine. Yeah. Um, so that that mid January tail off was, was just tank their season. Uh, I would also throw in uh what, what was the team? Uh, Minnesota is not a great it's situation a for me, which is but the whole go, I just go like bear Ant con- so much that I'm like I love it. I could see it's just the I, whole go bear contract yeah. and like that's gonna kinda that's just gonna be an anchor 
with the new CBA, it's going to be an anchor on their cap sheet. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but oh, I mean, man. to your point, yeah, Detroit's yeah. probably probably bottom. The Mavericks at least bottom five, sucks, if too. not bottom three. The Mavericks job sneaky sucks too. Like there's nothing around Luca now. They are so barren and they don't have trade chips. It's just Brunson left for nothing. Like you're just begging Christian Wood to bring something back. Like uh, that's a rough situation, I think, in Dallas. Um I would say that's a pretty tough w- one. Would you sign and trade Kyrie? Like not let I mean, Lakers obviously are are a potential suitor there, but like even let's take the Lakers out. Let's just say they're mm-hmm. not trading. Like would you I guess, would you re-sign Kyrie or, or would you try and sign and trade him? I wouldn't have done the Kyrie trade to begin with. But now that you're here, I don't think you have a choice. Like, I genuinely don't think you have a choice now. You're so far down the rabbit hole now with Luka. And at this point, like, he's playing like an MVP. You were in the Western Conference last year. You lose Jalen Brunson for nothing in an embarrassing fashion. You go back-to-back years of losing important just co-backcourt mates for Luka and just top 20 NBA players like Jalen Brunson is right around there this year. He had an unbelievable year like to lose those guys back to back. And cause like Kyrie's not getting you anything better than what he's like, what you're losing and moving on from him this off season. So it's not like you're fixing you a D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. With uh, two first round picks. That's, that doesn't help right now because the the picks are <laughs> no, they're yeah. post picks. Dallas has Dallas. to keep him. Dallas, yeah. Dallas has to keep him. They, they just have to. And then I mean, I, you know, I you, imagine you can like at the trade deadline, and I'm sure the Lakers, if they haven't gotten another point guard, will be waiting there. Yeah, uh, but it's wherever yeah. Luca's running up the hill that I saw. Um, <laughs> you're just trying to like if you're Rob Palenka, you're just hey. Dilo, um, how are you feeling about the Amazon uh, right at the moment? Uh, like, you just try and, uh, hey, why don't you take a vacation here? And he's, like, in the coordinates of where Luca actually is so that they have an opportunity to bond and wherever. Like, I don't know where he was. I just saw that hit, like, him running up the hill, and it looked yeah. like he was in the jungle, like, getting in shape. And I was like, all right, well, that's cool. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you yeah, see no, it's, it's one of the best off-season storylines is the yeah. annual Luca's in shape. Do you know where he the, is? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but... Yeah, it's just it's funny. Just I never saw where he was. I was like, "Where is Luca? Why does it look like he's literally running up uh, the side of a Mayan pyramid? Like, what is <laughs> where is Luca Doncic right maybe now? Maybe he's in Egypt. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, Although I don't that, know. I guess that wouldn't technically that that was a bad reference by me. You said Mayan mean? pyramids. Oh uh, well, yeah. Well, you were thinking pyramids. I was thinking pyramids, but yeah, yeah that's okay. And anyway. I also don't know how you run up a. Listen, I've taken geography. I've been taking geography since probably like middle school. So okay, forgive me. California, the school system is a little bit different. They're just, uh, you're doing all it's, kinds of stuff. It's like, pick it's like your own adventure. 10, I want to say. It's what? Bottom 10. Is it? I, I think it's pretty pretty low. I could be wrong. Maybe it's gotten mm. better. I feel like when I was there, it was it always had like bad. Uh, let's see. This is, I think it turned is, out okay, Yovan. Uh, yeah. Out. California school system is number 44 in the US. Wow. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Hmm. So University of Tennessee has been number one forever. Many are saying. Is it? No. Okay. Uh, it's let's pretty, see. Probably pretty solid. You want to guess? Throw a number out. What are, what is the, uh, like, how are they ranking it? Uh, I, I, I don't know what the criteria is. Yeah. That, that uh, would help if I could like have some sort of, uh, how many of their graduates go on to host, successful podcasts sports podcasts primarily pretty good <laughs> pretty good track record um this is hard to find it, show, it just showed me the top yeah um the top rankings in ten like of tennessee high school is not yeah a little bit different yeah mm. uh if i find it before we end i'll blurt it out incredible this is how you ended a podcast like d- diving into the the scholastic uh rankings here for the state of tennessee and california um there are a lot of californians who moved here uh yovan because they they were just like we look at how much money uh the california salary can go in tennessee and then buying a lake house and all that kind of stuff so there are a lot of californians over here i many are saying yovan bua could be the next one to make the jump okay here we go uh mm. tennessee is 41 so we are both in the bottom 10. That explains the the ending of this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Sorry, America. This is the best you had to offer. It's not our fault. It's so not our it, fault. We did the best product of we our could. environments. Uh, absolutely. Yovan uh, Stargazing, uh, folks can go check that out on the Athletic NBA Show feed. I uh, highly recommend the Count on Vic uh, episode, the most recent one, uh, to wrap up season two. Really enjoyed that. But and go check out all the podcasts there. We can read you at theathletic.com. Anything you want to plug specifically, Yovan? Uh, just the, the socials at Yovan Buha, J O V A N B U H A, uh, particularly Twitter and TikTok. Mm. Uh, but also instagram so i guess i guess all of them um you're are you doing all your own instagram and tiktok and stuff uh i've been a little less active like the the playoffs is just hard yeah there'll be kind of videos that pop up of of just you know something happens in a game or a press conference and i'll record it and put it Mm. there but it, it was harder to create content during the playoffs um but gonna get more active uh now that i have a little bit of a break so there you go uh, be, be on the lookout for that uh it's uh, i lied i have one more quick question because you do the celebrity row uh videos and it always cracks me up because i'll show my wife and i'll be like yovan is like half nba reporter half celebrity reporter half shoe reporter like he's he's the only one who covers it this way and it's cool because i'm like i have no idea but how he does it but he you you have jack and like different guys give me your favorite celebrity row laker game no like thing you noticed this year that was funny interaction or uh like oh wow did they go large soda i would never have guessed uh adam sandler ate this or what like what was the your favorite celebrity subtle sighting this year at a laker game well i have to give a big shout out to uh to vin diesel because (laughs) my and bad bunny to a lesser Mm -hmm. extent but vin diesel i think my two most viewed videos on tiktok are Mm -hmm. both clips of vin diesel one is him leaving a game one is him arriving yeah and they've both gotten like over seven million views and wow. i would say i have almost fifty thousand followers on tiktok and no joke i would guess at least twenty thousand have come from my vin diesel videos so and that's just you recording vin diesel walking to a seat and getting yes. up and leaving a seat the the, po- the power of family the the power of <laughs> fast and the furious um so shout out to Vin Diesel for uh, single-handedly keeping me afloat on social media. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say, food, like food off the top of my head, I, I think I'm, I'm usually so locked in that I'm not necessarily like observing what people are are eating. Um, what I will say, like, so Tristan Thompson signed, and then all of a sudden Kim Kardashian and Kris Jenner were there for, mm-hmm. for several games. So like seeing them and, and kind of the Kardashian. Uh, I, I'd seen them before at games, but like it, it was every kind of now and then. And whereas in the playoffs, it was pretty consistent. Mm. Um, I would say the coolest thing with, with just the, you know, all, all the celebrity stuff has been uh, Denzel Washington knows uh, a couple of the, the older reporters uh, huh. on, on press row. So he's come over uh, a couple of times and like asked us random questions of like, how many points does this guy have? Or like, like during the deep? game? Yeah. Like what, like during timeouts and, and um, it's just crazy. Cause I'm like, this is maybe the best actor ever. Yeah. And, and one, like he's as cool as advertised, like, you know, literally is exactly as you'd expect him to be, but he's just a giant basketball fan. Who's like coming to us for like the box score. And <laughs> just like, what, you know, what is the team doing with like, why are they using this defensive strategy? And like, just asking like, some really fascinating questions that you wouldn't necessarily expect for uh, a celebrity, even for a celebrity fan who a lot of the times I've, you know, you just kind of think, Oh, that they're just there to, to get attention or this or mm-hmm. that. like Denzel is a big Lakers fan. So huh. um, that's that, that like interacting with him a few times and um, you know, just being able to say, I, I spoke with Denzel Washington and uh, like that, that's something that I'm definitely gonna remember from this season. I like that. I, that's really cool you like to hear those kind of stories i, I like that he seems super down to earth uh, sandler seems super down to earth um yeah i don't know uh, have you heard anyone yell like have you heard like who's the loudest celebrity fan that you've actually heard from your spot it doesn't have to be bad like they are just loud I mean, Sh- shannon sharp i guess really <laughs> well i mean the, I, I was at the memphis game uh, and you could hear everything like he, he he's pretty loud from from the um the sideline yeah yeah um 
So I didn't hear that particular, you know, altercation. I saw it from the other, I was on the other side of the floor. Mm. Uh, but, but in general, when Shannon Sharp is there, he, he's pretty loud. I don't know how to, are you a loud person when you go to fun things? Like if you're at a USC no. thing, like I don't yell. I don't, I've never but understood I, I mean, that. I'm introverted though. So it's, it's same little, here. Like, it's, it's, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna It's do not that. me at all. Um, and I, I would personally hate if, um, not that people are ever going to recognize me, but if, if I ever was in a situation where someone recorded it and it got out and like, yeah. I was just like, I, I don't want to be that guy. So no, uh, for, for me, it's just, uh, be chill and have fun. We're very That's low it. key. Yeah. That's why we started in this pod seven years ago, whenever it was Yeah, very low key. Yeah. It's a bunch of yeah, but- low key guys who grew up in bottom 10 <laughs> states <laughs> who love learning the new cba which there's yes. going to be a lot of haves and have nots which have you heard mm-hmm. the middle class is going to get squeezed yeah that's a, folks i'm telling you write it down you're gonna have a good time at the cookout this weekend you're gonna be able to hold your own uh yo bambua thank you as always my friend and uh let's talk again soon don't be a stranger yes sir Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.